Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. So I've registered Billy on Petly on the app, like you suggested, but I haven't really got into it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, he's he's six now and he's he's pretty well behaved. So like, really, what's the point of uh, the Petly app? What's it going to do for me? Well, the Petly app is about understanding that your life with your dog is a journey. And through your journey, just like with us humans, we change and develop over our life stages. And, you know, enriching your dog mentally as well as physically is so important. So for me, for example, with my cases that I see, I'll help dogs on the day and throw so much advice at clients that I know I can see that they can't absorb it all. So, of course, we supply notes and follow up and back up. But what I can't do as a physical human being is be with these people every single day. So where Petley comes in is that it's on an app and it's easily accessible from home. It comes in all sorts of different levels from puppy up to senior in terms of training advice, new activities to try and engage your dog to do. There's always more to do with your dog. This is how I see it. You know, I don't believe people tap into their dog's olfaction enough, not in a way that you can turn every dog into a little mini police search and rescue dog in your own home. And that really enriches dogs. It wears them out so quickly. And then they feel so confident and satisfied when they find what you were asking them to sniff out. So it's about helping your dog and learning more about what makes your dog tick and how to get the best out of your dog. Okay, you got me sold. I will get back into the app and look into it a bit more and I will find a program that's suitable for Billy. So to get Petly, P-E-T-L-I, do what I did. Download it from the App Store or Google Play. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know that the time slot for Barking at the Moon has recently changed. Well, that's one of the reasons why we're dashing over to Marylebone now to meet up with broadcaster... Joe Good to talk about Barking at the Moon and going nationally, but also about how we met, the present and even the future with our pets. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi, Joe. Hi, Anna. And I'm so pleased you brought Mr. Binks in. Oh, there we go. Myrtle is just coughing and padding about at the moment. She's so overexcited that you're here. <laughs> well, it's really, really great to see her, and it's all right that she's excited. No, you asked if she was plump. I'm looking at her now, Joe. That is not plump. That is perfect. She's perfect. I'm holding my stomach in, Anna, because I'm wearing a dress that I'd worn, I think it was two years ago, and I've obviously laid down fat. I know we're not allowed to say the word fat. Um, but I think I have laid down fat. So I'm sitting here holding my stomach in whilst my British bulldog, you can hear her padding on the wooden floor, um, is she's still got a waist, Anna. She definitely has and looks great. So now she's relaxed. That's yes. good. No, it's exciting when she sees Mr. Binks. She's so excited. You know what's so weird? So Anna, um, obviously you've been coming here for years and years and years. She knows, I know you you talk about this all the time, when you buzz, how many times that buzzer goes all the time with deliveries? Mm. When you spoke through it, okay, maybe your voice is loud, we've both got loud voices, <laughs> but she went running down the corridor and it was like she knew it was you, even though we're so many floors up. 
That's funny. But, you know, their hearing's so acute. And um, we've spent a lot of time together, really, Mert, in her young life. Oh, um, you were the... Should we tell everyone you were the first person, <laughs> actually, to look after her? It's like I've always said, thank goodness I never had children, because I collected her from Liverpool, brought it down on the train, but I'd got an evening dinner at Claridge's. So I called Anna and said, could you just come and look after this puppy? Because I've got to go to dinner. And she, what was she, Anna? Eight weeks? Ten weeks? Yes, tiny. She was absolutely tiny. And we did some very important dog training that night. You truly did. I came back. In fact, I think this, I think you see this octopus. Oh, yes. This is the remnants <laughs> of what you brought that night. I mean, it shredded. She loved it. Her very first toy in London. Um... But it taught me a lesson. I went out, came back, and you'd already... And she was 10 weeks, I think. She could do a sit. She could do a sit, and she could settle in her crate next door yes. and not have a hooli-hooli. Yes. Because, you know, I put her in there, let the crying subside, left it for a whole hour, got her out, went upstairs for a pee, brought her in, did some more games, put her back in there absolutely no resistance at all so that's kind of proof that the sooner you do that with a puppy and balance it then it helps stop any separation anxiety and also I had a producer I don't know if you remember called Esther and when she had a baby she was about as capable as I was with a puppy and she they had this not like it wasn't a wet nurse I'm not saying you were a wet nurse (laughs) but they had this nurse who just said Mother, you go to bed, I'll take the baby. And she just did what you did with Myrtle for about a week, which is basically get her into a routine. Mm. Um, And, you know, obviously I I ended up doing what you suggested I do. That's her walking around, by the way. Um, She's putting herself to bed, Anna. I think she's going into the bedroom. That's so funny. Well, she knows there's no attention that's going to be Yeah, but you're ignoring her. Yeah, isn't that funny? Mm. You've ignored her. Anna always says this, just ignore them. But yes, so you started her routine at um, literally the first hour she came into London from Liverpool. I know, she was so sweet. And it was such an honour. And then she came to stay for a week. <laughs> to, <stay. laughs> to Hackney. <laughs> Bit she of a shock from Marylebone. She went east. <laughs> yeah, she went east. She has yet to um, become a media star like our previous dogs. Well, I don't think Prudence will ever make <laughs> daytime telly. <laughs> no. It's weird, isn't it? Because both you and I, we met when both our dogs were getting a lot of attention. And then we ended up getting a lot of attention. And um, and then the dogs got more and more attention. And the four of us became very media savvy, really, for good or for bad. I know. Well, we, we did very well, didn't we, in terms of media. And that was all down to the very famous dog slot, wasn't yeah. it, Joe? really? And do you know something, Anna? I, so yesterday... I was asked to be on another podcast, and, uh, you know, uh, you can edit this out or keep it in, called Sliding Doors. Oh, what a great name. Um, and it's based on the film, which is, if you if, the, if you missed the train or if you got on that train, what would have happened? And I was asked for my sliding door moment, and you, um, you know, people listening to this can go to it if they want to, or you can edit this out. But she said to me, can we have two sliding door moments? One of them was meeting you. And I said that we were... I met you because I was hosting a documentary and I almost didn't go to your flat because at the time they often used to send a cameraman to do talking heads so they would get your interview and then slot it into the film. But because I was so close to where you lived, I lived in the centre of London, they said, do you want to go and do the interview with Anna? And I did. 
if I'd never gone that day, we would never have met Anna. There were so many things would never have happened. Do you realise? Yes. Yeah, probably, you know. I mean, that was such a great interview. And that's when I really felt, you know, there was a connection. Um, I think we do have quite similar energy levels and our dogs really got on and were also quite similar in their personalities. And I do remember that so well, the dancing bit. And then you left, actually, and the camera crew stayed. I'll never forget when they wanted to move my fish tank. <laughs> I nearly passed out. That was one step too far. See, I had my huge tank, so I used to love my fish. But I remember, so we've got a brilliant sound engineer here today, um, Jean-Luc, and I remember that the sound engineer on that day, you don't, you, he was out in your, in your courtyard smoking, and I said, are you all right? And you went, oh, God, I've just got to get out. <laughs> Why? And he went, God, it's like the two of you. He said, it's like stereo noise. And he was just smoking, leaning against your wall. And I was roaring with laughter. But can you hear, look, listen to it. You can hear Myrtle snore. Listen. I don't know if it'll it's pick faint. it up. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's, well, we can hear it. It's like, the, it's like the ocean. She's gone to bed, everybody, because Anna's ignored her, so she's gone to bed. It worked. It does work. It does work. Ignore them, you know, but you have to, have to stick with it and keep turning around if they're jumping up, fold your arms, look at the ceiling, and those are the top tips, really. And then, um, yes, but that is a little bit of a bulldog in a half. Yes. <laughs> but, but just to go back to that, it made me think, sorry, to go back to the sliding doors moment, of what, what it would have been so different if we had never met it would have been so different because I, we both had dogs, we would have continued, but we wouldn't have gone into the media with them like we did, you know, everything that sprung from it, the book, the television series, the radio show, all came from one chance meeting. It's extraordinary. Yes, and guess what? If we hadn't met, you would never have fed Matilda on raw green tripe. No, and I said this to you. So Matilda, for anyone that doesn't know anything about my dog, or indeed me, um, Matilda lived to 13, and which is unbelievable for a British bulldog because she did have health issues. She had um, breathing issues, which she had her soft palate shortened. She had her eyes lifted because of the eyelashes. She had her nose widened. She did, yes. All of these things, um, but she lived to 13. And yeah, I always said you extended her life. And I'm in a bit of a dilemma with Myrtle, which I'll talk about in a minute, about her being spayed. But she, Touchwood, has had no health issues at all. By this age with Matilda, she'd had to have a major operation. I remember. Gosh, I do remember. I did feel sorry for her with the uh, stitches yeah. in her nostrils. Yeah. I thought, oh, gosh, you know. But I was quite jealous of her eye lift. Yeah, I was jealous of her eye lift as well. Um, I could have done with that facelift at that time. But she, she was the one. It cost more having her <laughs> yeah, exactly. Than if I'd had. But it is, you know, so, yeah, raw green tripe. That is the, um, that's what... Um, I never. thrust, I thrust, <laughs> didn't I, a 500 gram slab. Actually, I put it in a, a cheap plastic oh, bag. Here she comes, here she comes. She talking about tripe. And, um, and, Joe, and I said, Joe, 
please trust me, this is what you should feed Matilda on. Poor Joe left with raw green tripe. What a gift. It, but it was, and, and there, thereafter, because I remember when um, I was away and John O'Coleman, who was radio presenter, mm. God rest his soul, mm. um, was staying in my flat because he'd come over from Australia. And I remember him leaving me this voicemail saying, because he didn't even know I had a dog. I just said, <clears throat> I'm not there, um, Jono, you know, help yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he just left me this message saying, I've just opened your fridge and there's <laughs> nothing but green tripe in the freezer. And I think he thought I was just eating it myself. Gosh. I know. Um, I mean, white tripe's fine for humans, but the green makes it inedible, really, for humans, but very, very delicious and nutritious for dogs. Yeah, white tripe for dogs, I would imagine, has very little nutrition in it. It looks like, it just looks like flannel, doesn't it? It does look like flannel. It's a strange, mm. well, it is the stomach, mm. so it's all a bit weird. But um, yes, it's all been washed and bleached even um, which I hope it's not you know, don't do it with proper bleach if you're going to eat it but yes so a lot of the nutrition has gone indeed yes so Joe <laughs> so I know so and then and then Mr Binks arrived didn't he really you know do you remember when Mr Binks my rehomed English toy terrier just to clarify he's not my boyfriend um, he arrived to much kind of oh no what's going what are we going to do with Mr Binks because he was so flippy and skittish and um, unfocused wasn't he to say the least and skinny yes he's, he's still skinny he's completely different to um, to our bull breeds but it but it all added up and it all added up um, and I suppose this is a nice opportunity for me to say this is that you know, our, we, we sort of ran parallel with our um, lives, living in London, doing what we did. And then, because you're, you had the information, I just had the wherewithal to promote the information, but you had the information. So that's why it worked. It really worked well that we started a radio show because, you know, if I I could never have done that show on my own because I had there was no substance. I knew I loved dogs and I you know I I wanted to know more about it. But if you scratch the surface, there was very little underneath. But with you, you came on board when we started that show, and you had all the knowledge. And for me, it's just been really interesting to see how all of that knowledge has led to you. And I honestly believe this, Anna, it's not because I'm just sitting in front of you, as probably the canine authority in the media. Well, I really wouldn't go that far, Joe. <laughs> but I must say, you know, it's great fun. I have done quite a few talking head moments this year. And it's a very proud moment every time I, I do it. I, I love going on the Jeremy Vine show. Um, and with Jeremy, I've, I've done a few remarkable airings. Um, taking on the Pope's biographer was one of my funniest ones I think because remember the Pope came out with this statement that people who don't have children and have pets instead are selfish mm. so um, that was good and I was winning the argument you see and he didn't like it and so started to really talk over me and so Jeremy oh you're going to get caught up in the wires just That's calm it. down there we are and so Jeremy had to actually stop the conversation and say, it's Anna's turn to talk. I know. So, he stuck up for me. Yeah. Oh, and, I and I think why I, I admire that you go on those shows and you do commercial radio, LBC with those big blokes who are quite shouty blokes, is um, for a start, you're in a 
very vulnerable situation because it's a phone-in and people can phone up and say what they think. But also, you and I know um, the dog world is very unforgiving. And, you know, I could go on and I could... Thanks, Myrtle. I could go on and talk about makeup or whatever. And um, it's all a bit innocuous. But if you start to talk about dogs, you just get so... you First of all, you get an instant feedback... But you're open to so much criticism, as, mu- as much as adoration. And that's why I so admire you, because every time you do it, you put your head on the line. Yes, and you have to be very careful what you say. But I think everything I say comes from the heart and from a lot of knowledge as to how to live with dogs. Well, it's how intelligent. To train, how to train dogs. And the, the biggest part is explaining on air, for example, with the various dog attacks. Um, when I did GB News, one, one breakfast show with Eamon Holmes and Isabella Webster, I took Mr Binks in. And in a way, he saved it because he knew what to do instinctively, which was sit on Eamon Holmes's pile of newspapers which was slap bang in front of all of the cameras and he just became centre stage because um, he is interested in the equipment look he's sniffing them sniffing the microphone but, but it's important just to you know make it clear that you're talking about dogs here and that dogs aren't people so everyone thinks this is shocking you know all these deaths and these dogs you know they're, they're bad and so on but you see when when you look at why these incidents happened from a dog's point of view not from a, a little person in a furry suits point of view because they're not little people in furry suits so they don't think like little people or like humans they think like dogs and then when you unpick these situations you 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 do realize that none of them were the dog's fault mm. um, and to explain that quite quickly and eloquently sometimes can be can be difficult particularly with a shock jock um, you know shouting at you which can happen on some of the commercial stations as you say um, but um, Certainly, um, with Eamon Holmes, he's such a such a dog lover. That morning, he was just mesmerised by Mr. Binks. Yeah. So Mr. Binks saved the day actually, yeah. and also showed how well behaved a little dog could be. Yeah. And um, and that was really good. But yes, you have to be particularly with the dog walker that was attacked by her own pack of dogs. That was a very difficult one to do. And for some reason, not many other people wanted to talk about it. For that reason. For that reason, because of the vitriol. If the, you know, the amount of vitriol you get, whatever side. Um, and the thing is, you never take sides. You just lay out the situation, as you've just done. And you just go, well, this is this, and this is this. And you can draw your conclusions from it, you know, as to what, could have happened what should have happened and why it did happen and I think that's the intelligence behind it instead of ranting because you know you and I know we were labeled the mad dog women for a long time um, until people started to realize what we were doing and then people emulated us many emulated us many come came and went um, and then people started when we were getting guests on our show that were really respected um, you know leading scientists and a-listers um then i think we didn't have anything to prove in the end you know but we did at the beginning you must have felt that um i think you know the show the dogs lot was so random and so unusual that i think it it just drew lots of attention good and bad um and i think 
the reason the show I think has been such a success is that it mixes entertainment with serious substance with light items and I think a lot of people in the dog world just have to be serious the whole time and also it is as you say you know a lot of people have a lot of opinions and they're so many different schools of thought in the dog world what to feed your dog on how to train your dog should a dog wear a harness or a collar um and and so on should they wear a little jacket like binks has gone on at the moment well it's pretty chilly when he gets outside and so i would say he benefits from it to be honest but others might disagree completely in fact clothing for dogs um gosh 15 years ago was a complete no-no and that's i think that's how we change because we when we were on daytime um television we would uh, you know every halloween i always think of you and i dressed as pumpkins (laughs) and the dogs dressed as pumpkins you know and we didn't even think about it now we would never do it we'd never do it or if you do it you say look we put it on for five seconds for a photo opportunity then we take it off but we never thought about it we just we knew our dogs enjoyed it and i honestly do believe they did enjoy it but you that's no excuse now you know you can't use that as an excuse now because people will say you're ridiculing your dogs and you shouldn't be laughing at them. Or so, exploiting your dogs or exploiting for, them. for, yeah, for, you know, your own gain, which is something you know, that I think has become more and more as social media has really rocketed, you know, and you see um, a lot of people you know, doing crazy videos of their dogs um, to get likes, which sometimes, you know, I do find a lot of them very amusing sometimes, but you think, gosh, how often have you filmed this or practiced this silly moment to capture it sophisticatedly enough to post you know that wasn't a one-off were you really there with your camera when that bull terrier went flying across your bed and went right through your your table lamp and knocked everything over um or has that been trained yeah gosh that's a really gosh that's going to make people re-look at these i've seen that very video you're talking have you yeah and i remember thinking gosh that was good timing she happened to have her phone out at that time exactly but i also that dispute that particular video i always said to you I, and it's the same, you and I have always disagreed on this. I am fascinated by people as much as you're fascinated by dog. If, if you and I are in a car and someone walks by with a dog, I will go, I like that coat. And you go, look at that, look at that breed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's that's the difference. And I've always said to you, I much prefer photographs of dogs if there's a human in it. It I makes me do. appreciate the dog more. Whereas you're very content with dog art, and that's probably, does that lend itself to social media? See, the videos that make me laugh are the ones with animals and humans, not just the animal. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I mean, the whole package is, of course, the, the human and the animal, and that's the whole package that, that sells. I get that. Um, I'm just such a dog nerd, you know. I'm just such a dog nerd. But um, um, I like both, don't get me wrong. And I do love watching humans with their dogs, you know, and thinking, gosh, that's an interesting character. Because what interests me is the fact that a lot of very tall men choose a chihuahua. Yeah, Mickey um, Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Gosh, the classic. Somehow, could we get to Mickey Rourke? Is he still alive? I think so. I haven't heard he's died. Gosh, you might have to add an add-on at the end of this. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> Mickey Rourke. So we don't know. I don't know. He's gone very quiet. Maybe I'm thinking of Meatloaf. Did Meatloaf have a dog? I don't know, but he did die. Yes. Keep all this in, because it does educate people on the deaths of celebrities. Of course. Myrtle's snoring again in the other room. She keeps coming in and, and trying her luck. 
And she then goes back out. Yeah, there. she is. She's Destroyed. really trying her luck. And but now yeah, um, she's gone right off in a half. <laughs> big men and little dogs. It is. It is a, a phenomenon. You know, I think, and I, I'm interested in that because there's so much in little dogs. People think they're silly. People think they're small. People think they've got smaller brains because they're small. And all of this is ridiculous. And I think small dogs, well, because Mr. Binks is my first ever small dog. And I just adore him so much because he's small. Um, and I envy you because if he doesn't walk, you just lift him up like that. Whereas Myrtle doesn't walk and I'm just stuffed. You know, she just lies down on the pavement. But, you know, here we are, both of us spinsters of the parish. <laughs> um, would you, you know the, the, you know the television series, it's Me or the Dog? Yes. Would you, and I've never asked you this before, I mean, you've been in relationships since I've known you. Have you ever had to choose between your partner and the dog? Um, n- no, not specifically, although... You know, I won't get involved with anybody who doesn't like dogs. I mean, none of my friends... I, being a dog lover is a prerequisite for anyone, really, I'm even an acquaintance with, to be honest with you, because I think, you know, you know so much from a person simply by that. Somebody who doesn't like dogs, I fine, that's their their opinion and there's no problem with it, but, you know, I don't want to be their friend because I really don't think we'd have anything to talk about. So choosing... I see. I like my dogs to myself. I'm a bit I know, selfish. Yes, you do. I don't like sharing. No, I, I'm, I, I'm a bit like that. I would never let someone walk my dog. Having mm. said, I let you sort of look after her the moment she was brought back to. Um, I know, but you can trust me. The problem is, it's there's so much can happen now. I, no, Binks has never been walked by anybody else. Um, so because he is a bit flighty and he's so small, that um, I just feel you know it's an accident waiting to happen really um so it's about so yeah with blokes it's a difficult one really because if ever it was going to work with me and a bloke i'd have to get over this really but it's sort of the dogs are mine i make the decisions don't argue about what i feed them i'm the canine nutritionist in the room um you know in fact don't criticize anything don't suggest anything just accept everything the way it is does that make sense? Yeah, total sense. But then, look. of course, in a relationship, everyone wants to have their say. And, and look, I was reading about this new dog food. Maybe we could do this. Um, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't feed raw. I'm a bit worried about the raw food being in the fridge. I don't want my food. Can you imagine that argument happening? Mm. Um, so the argument is usually... So I'm just drinking some water. The argument is usually dogs on the bed, in the bed or whatever. That's usually... I think in most new relationships, that's usually the argument. But I know, you know, I never want another relationship ever. I've had enough relationships. Um, Not that people are throwing themselves at my feet asking to move in, but they'd have to move out if they didn't like the dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that was, that's just. Goes without saying. I mean, you know, my dad always used to say, you know, where you are with a dog and um, the love of a dog, you, it can't be beaten, you know. That is your, your true friend that will always be there, never answers back, um, and doesn't mind, doesn't mind whether, you know, your roots are showing, you've laid on a bit of fat, <laughs> or whatever it might be, that the fridge is empty because you can't be bothered to go to the supermarket. It's all good with your dog. As we head towards Christmas, yes. Anna, and looking back at this year, I mean, it's been, you know, coming out of the pandemic, and all of us who had dogs in the pandemic were so lucky, to be honest. Um, 
you know, you had company, especially if you lived on your own. But if you look back at the year, and we, you know, you always say dog ownerships tripled. Here, we're in London at the moment. It's certainly tripled here. You can see it literally everywhere. What do you think the future for urban dogs is? If you think that most of the charities now are fit to burst, whilst at the same time you've got people desperate to adopt and can't, you know, so you've got this stalemate, basically. What do you think next year? What's in store? Do you, do you, what do you think's in store for the dog world? What sort of things will we talk about, do you think? I think what we need to be talking about next year is more training and a lot more engagement between owners and their dogs um, in, a, in a proactive way, to be honest with you. Yet it's interesting, I've spoken to a few trainers just this week, and no one's training their dogs. No one's ringing anybody up. It's all gone a bit quiet. Why is that, do you think? Well, I think it might be because last month was the most expensive month yeah. for mortgages in the last 15 years. Yeah. So I think people are feeling the pinch. And then I feel that's a very worrying sign because a lot of people employ dog walkers yeah. on a regular basis. They cost a huge amount of money. Doggy daycare is the same. So I do feel that the cost of living crisis is yeah. going to... Do you know, you're absolutely right, because I live right near Regent's Park. Sorry, that's my um, water bottle. You live near the marshes, so you see how many dog walkers are out. There are far fewer. There used to be regular ones here in W1. I don't think I've seen them for really? months. It's a really, really interesting point, yeah. And the other thing that's hitting next year that I think will change um, the whole dynamic is the new public space control orders. Yeah, which apparently some London boroughs are bringing in in March. I don't know if that's going to be a trial phase, but it is going to mean that dog walkers um, have to have only four, four maximum rather than six. So that's going to impact on owners and probably the prices are going to go up. So that's going to impact on owners. So I'm not sure. And as you say, you know, rescues are brimful. And um, it's, it's a sorry state of affairs, really. But the worrying thing about rescues being full is that will people turn to these online sales sites that I can't bear? You know, I feel this is just taking things a little bit too yeah, far. Yeah, but you and I have friends who have done that who have tried so hard to rescue, really hard, almost banging down the doors of these great big wealthy charities. Sorry, but they are. Um, not all of them, but some of them are. And not allowed to have a dog. So then they will go and buy one online, you know? And that's what really frustrates me. It so frustrates me. Well, it's so frustrating, but they don't have to buy online. Now, for example, if all live animals, because apparently they sell racehorses over the internet. I mean, can you imagine buying any animal, but you imagine buying a horse over you know um it's it's ridiculous it all needs to slow down it needs to go back to how it used to be where you contact a reputable breeder you may have to wait a year or two years for your perfect puppy but it will be a health tested as perfect as you can get puppy and rather than these online sites they're just a shopping window for a raft of puppies that come in thousands of puppies come in from Ireland every year and from Eastern Europe you know they've been bred in terrible conditions they haven't had the best start in life often they don't live very long causing heartbreak all round it's just an awful evil money-making machine so that's something I really want to see change you know I feel techno you know for me Dogs are an antidote to all this technology that really is quite overwhelming. I find it overwhelming, Joe, anyway, as you know. They're an antidote. They're back to normal. They're 
just outside in the park you know nothing complicated particularly whereas you know I really lose my temper sometimes with technology I you know if, if the if the phone says no on me I'm like no you know and I can't bear it and I'll just be right that's it I'm going out with the dogs and then I'm happy but um, I really feel that um, life needs to rebalance a little bit um, and we need to understand the value of dogs as man's best friend for keeping us sane and reminding us of the key values in life um, and not to be distracted by all this technology absolutely and I think that's why I worry when technology is used with animals as well you know there's all these gadgets coming out and all this and I just think oh for heaven's sake who was it once said to us they need a lead and they need a collar me that's yeah <laughs> that's it you know all the other stuff the hound pound all the stuff do the do, you know do they need it really that's you know but but you know the, well we've discussed the hound pound at length but you do worry about and if you said that what you said about um people's finances being heavily hit mm. which will affect dogs and dogs the way dogs are cared for and probably the way dogs are fed and that's a major consideration as well because it's all very well you and i saying we feed our dogs raw that's a very expensive choice you know and compared to dried dog food or a can of dog you know so the dogs are probably going to get it in each direction um well, it, and it, it, it is a shame that, you know, our vet profession costs four times more for an average vet procedure in this country than it does, in, say, in France. Yeah. You know, there's that aspect as well. And I think a lot of people would love to adopt, um, but they're afraid of the vet bills. Yeah. So that's a terrible shame and a kind of an irony, I, I think, actually. So it's it's a complicated issue but some but looking ahead Anna because one of the things I hope maybe will happen next year is and I always think we played a role in this is that vets fees will be displayed you know because they legally they have to be but we there's no vet I know and I've been to so many vets have ever put a price list in reception so if they just started to do that um that would help wouldn't it so you yeah. look at the price list and think okay what can I and what can't I afford Exactly, and just perhaps be a little bit, you know, less ego to sell medication when medication may not be needed. That's the point, um, rather than for the sake of it. Um, that's what um, I hear a lot of people talking about at the moment. But I just think looking back, you know, looking back at what we've been talking about dogs for 14 years in a professional capacity. One of the things that I think that really will never get out of my mind, and Matilda was alive, just in between lockdowns is visiting my vet in the middle of the street in a long queue as the vet came down all masked up looking at my I mean most dogs are fearful anyway of vets but a vet you know masked up going down the street one and the, and people waiting for hours in the cold because you weren't allowed into the into the surgery you weren't allowed to go in because of the distance um, and that I don't think has appeased my local vets you, you can go in now, but there's a queue to get an appointment, can take days, even weeks. And that's because of the um, increase in dog population. And Brexit, Joe. And Brexit, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. for me, Anna, in the, in the past 14 years, that's been a massive deal, you know? Mm. Vets, and probably their stress levels, because you it's not just they're earning a fortune, they're probably so stressed out with all that, because they're dealing with all of us, not just the animal. They're dealing with us weeping on their doorstep or whatever. 
So it must, they must have had a shocking three years, I would have thought. Yes, and, and the, yeah, they've been really under pressure because there's been loads more dogs and less vets. I think there's 50% less vets because a lot were from Europe um, and we've always relied on um, a veterinary workforce to come in from Italy or France or, or wherever. So... I know, it's a shortage. Oh, you know, it took four days to get, you know, a stray cat landed on my doorstep 11 weeks ago. Um, it took four days to get an appointment just to get him a parasite they, control. There you are. You, you see, know? in the old days, you'd go in the same day you called up. Well, that's it. But th there aren't any appointments. So there's too many dogs, not enough vets, prices are too high, you know, strangely much higher than the rest of Europe. Um, and I think that's being investigated at the moment. And I think that's, that's you know, at the end of this year, I think that's something to really be concerned about next year. I think there's going to be a huge shift because it's already started, hasn't it? Mm. And the interesting thing, in the pandemic, the pet that was the least picked up on, which, you know, I think is, is, is strange to think that rabbits were more popular than a cat. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of cats are happy to be indoors. And there's mm. lots of breeds of cats that are designed to be indoors. Your average sort of short hair moggy, like my dear, you know, bless his soul, gremlin. He hated being indoors. Um, but um, it, it, isn't that funny? You know, so rabbits and guinea pigs beat cats. I can't understand no, it. No. Cats live a long time yeah. if you look after them, right? I know. Whereas, Is I, it, I don't know, is it accessibility? Who knows? But to talk about Gremlin dying. Yeah, so I suppose really, I mean, this year, Joe, um, Gremlin's death um, made this year absolutely awful, really, putting it in a nutshell. But, but, Anna, at the risk of you getting upset, this is, um, you know, for me, as someone who's witnessed the death of your dog, my dog, um, I just thought you dealt with it so well because when Molly died, you lost it. And I can say that to you because I'm your friend, but you literally lost it. I've said it and on air. I've yeah. said it publicly. I did lose it. But but you didn't with Gremlin. And I, and I honestly believe it's because we've learned, you more than me, a huge amount about mortality and animals. We really have. And we, you know, on on the show, we always say, if you've, if your pet's passed away, let us know because we'll pay tribute and everyone around will understand. And people do, most weeks there is an, a, an animal that's died. And that helped when Matilda died. It really did help because I just thought, gosh, you know, we've comforted people who've lost their pets so many times. Um, and it, there is, it's incomparable. It's not the same as a human death. It's nothing like it, to be honest. But you, I just thought you did really well because I just thought you're going to go right off the graph. <laughs> I know. But you didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, not in public. Or, you know, I have been quite Wailing upset. at home. Wailing at home, but, yeah, and, over and the kitchen now, sink. And this is nice because you, you, to go into a new year, you have another cat that almost arrived in the same way gremlin did which is just came through you know just appeared in your life like yes. this jack the lad yes although baggy as i've named him isn't jack the lad it's almost he arrived so that i could do that senior cat because gremlin died young um so he he never got old which was really the silver lining of it all really so i always wondered how would i cope with gremlin being stiff or creaky or and he never got there so in a way 
wonderful. But this little chap is is old, and he's he's. I think he's been feral. You see, the interesting thing about Baggy is he does have his testicles, which I'm so going to keep. Is this the, the trail? <laughs> <laughs> because um, a, I don't think he, he's he's strong enough to take a general anaesthetic, um, but he's no problem with his testicles. Everybody was saying he was going to spray all around the flat and be ferocious and all the rest of it. Well, no, he's actually not a problem at all. Um, but he's adapted so well to the flat. You know, there's a part of me that wants to believe that Gremlin is channeling himself through this <laughs> such. A quirky cat. He's not a looker. Where Gremlin was the most handsome cat yeah, in the world. He was, he yeah. was actually gifted, but he was never vain with it. it. Gremlin always had a sense of humour about everything, didn't he? He was Jack the Lad. He was the artful dodger, and I think it was curiosity that killed him. Killed the cat. But your arc is now complete again, mm. as I always called Anna's home, her menagerie, or her arc. Um, and it's now complete, and that's a nice way to end the year, isn't it? It is. You've no, got, you're right. You know, you've got your two dogs and you've got your cat. And, um, and you know, you'll sail on and next who, year. Who knows what next year will bring as well. And I think it's about building resilience, isn't it? Um, and, and keeping good friends around and, oh, totally. and staying positive in, in, in a time that you know, couldn't have been more up and down over the last few years for everybody. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, you and I have made amazing friends through these dogs, amazing friends. And, you know, and our show's now national. It is natural. Which is unbelievable. I mean, what a journey. Who would have known? And I still believe there's people in Nottingham who are scratching their heads over what the <laughs> hell's going on on a Friday night at 11 o'clock. But they'll slowly come round like everyone else does. Well, we're getting the calls. We're getting the calls non-stop, actually. So, yeah. Which is, you know, that's the applause. You taught me that. The calls and are applause. The calls applause. are applause. And also the greatest irony of all this is... When we started the dog hour, our editor at the BBC was, he was just, he, not only, he didn't like dogs, he almost loathed dogs, I didn't know. he? <laughs> um, and he tolerated you and I because he knew it was popular, so he let us do it. And one of the greatest ironies now, he's taken retirement and he's more obsessed about dogs than even Anna Webb. <laughs> That's not possible. No. But, what it, but what he said, and I think this is interesting and I wonder how many other people relate to this. He said, I'm actually not, Joe, interested about dogs. I'm only interested in my dog. <laughs> and it's true. He loves that dog. Um, but, you know, when his wife sent us a picture of him with the dog, we were just hysterical because he was so anti-dog, wasn't he? He was anti-dog. I, I remember giving him all the statistics of dog ownership when we weren't allowed to bring the dogs in because for three years we rocked the nighttime airwaves, didn't we? We did two hours um, every Thursday night and um, and we, we got the dogs into the studio remarkably yeah. and other people's dogs in, in as well. And yeah. apart from one dog hair scare, um, we remained. But then we moved to daytime prime time and dogs weren't allowed in the building so now we're back national and guess what my plan is for next year Anna <laughs> bring the dogs in we'll bring the dogs back in so watch this space everybody <laughs> hurrah hurrah woof 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 Joe thank you that's our show Mr Binks what did you think yes it is interesting to have a spot of reflection from time to time 
And what's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. Remember to tune in to Barking at the Moon every Friday between 11pm and midnight on Late Night Joe. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Joe for joining us today. And all the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike, my producer. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And to find out a bit more about me, go to annaweb.co.uk or at annawebdogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, gosh, yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So go on. Why don't you subscribe now? It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.